0: Hey, I'm Phil. And I'm Chris. We are two dads who share one simple goal, to be better fathers to our kids.
1: And that involves more time together with our families, more books, more movies, more board games, and most importantly, more
0: meals together. And if we're going to spend more meals together, we need to be better cooks.
1: So this is us trying to figure that out. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. So hey, Phil, how are you doing? Hey, Chris. Not too
0: bad it's really rainy outside this morning it? it's like the perfect weather for a Tim Tam slam remember those
1: yes that was many years ago but yes I do gosh that was like 20 years ago now
0: yeah holy we smokes in,
1: in Australia
0: yeah here's a little fun fact Chris and I met in Australia well we met in Colorado Springs but then we we went to Australia together 20 holy smokes 20 years ago I almost can't even believe it that was some good times do you remember when we went to uh, the beach? I think it was like our last day there and we got these fish and chips and we went to the beach. We were in Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia, and it was really yeah. cold outside. We were so excited. We got our fish and chips. We walked down to the beach and these seagulls like literally ripped them out of our hands.
1: Do you remember that? I don't know if I do, but I, I do remember having some fantastic fish and chips down there.
0: Maybe that's because you got to have the fish and chips. I didn't.
1: I remember one of the days we were kind of in town and we stopped by this little place. And actually, I think it was a black tip shark that they had, but they literally just flipped the the fried fish and fries out into like a newspaper and rolled it up and handed it to you. And it was unreal.
0: I love fish and chips.
1: Yeah. No, it's definitely one of my favorites it's 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 hard to hard to turn down a good fish and chips
0: yeah Uh, but the tim tam slam it's like there's this cookie or chocolate covered biscuit it's like a chocolate biscuit covered in chocolate (laughs) a chocolate covered chocolate biscuit super popular in australia and the tim tam slam is when you bite off both ends to almost like expose the ends and make somewhat of a straw and then you dip it inside a cup of coffee and then you suck the coffee up through the biscuit And the whole thing just like dissolves and you have to like throw it in your mouth before it does and... It's really messy, but it's super fun, and I actually have a video of doing one. I'm, I'm totally gonna put it on our Instagram.
1: A, a, a recent video,
0: yeah, yeah
1: we did Tim Tam slams in our house the other day. Yeah,
0: it was Ashley's idea. It was rainy, cold, and she's like, "Let's do Tim Tam slams." So I went to World Market and bought some Tim Tams, <laughs> and we did yeah. some slams.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say that they, I, I have seen them at World Market.
0: It's just such a good. Might have to get on that treat. So, anyways, yeah, you can <laughs> you can find that video probably on our Instagram, which is at dad's kitten
1: dad's kitchen Go! don't don't go to dad's Kitten. dad's kit I, I haven't looked it up but i'm i'm pretty sure you don't want to go to dad's kitten <laughs> at least not with anybody else around
0: <laughs> my goodness oh boy this is not what we planned on talking about today
1: so uh this episode is sponsored by the aspca lovely well done chris well done so actually one thing i feel like i've heard is that milk isn't good for cats oh really for real yeah, I, th- I think so. I don't have a cat, but I feel like that's something that I've read. Disney has been lying to us our whole entire lives.
0: Yeah, like the image that I have in my mind is Lady and the Tramp and those Siamese cats, like drinking their milk.
1: We are Siamese, yeah. if you please. Is that Lady and the Tramp? That's Lady and the Tramp. It's baby, it's been so long since I've seen that movie.
0: We actually just watched it the other day. My kids really? love classics. It's great. Actually, my my oldest daughter Bridget her favorite movie ever is the sound of music and her birthday is this friday so we asked her what kind of birthday she wanted and she wants a sound of music birthday party so we're gonna Mm -hmm. make some schnitzel and gonna make some sort of cake with mountains and music and i don't know it's gonna be fun i'm pretty happy that that's her favorite movie she loves musicals yeah back to the cat thing
1: i think there's like some level of lactose intolerance potentially which maybe instead of milk, they should be getting some ghee. Yeah, like can they eat butter?
0: Just like straight out of the wrapper, out of the jar?
1: Probably not if they're lactose intolerant, but I do believe in the process it's supposed to pull out the lactose. So Hmm. if you're lactose intolerant, ghee is supposed to be okay for you.
0: That is super interesting. And it makes me want to go back to when... Well, okay. Anyways, I don't have anything to say about that. That is super, (laughs) that is super interesting. Chris, did you know that I used to be lactose intolerant and now I'm not?
1: I was literally just going to ask because we've talked about eating butter a lot lately Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. talked about your butter preferences. And I was just kind of having flashbacks to when that was a little bit of an issue. So I
0: had this idea. Did you go out of it, Phil? Well, I don't know if it's scientific or what. I don't know if I willed myself out of it, but it's not an allergy. It's an intolerance. And I had this idea that if we're intolerant to something, maybe it's because we're not exposed to it. And so one day just kind of started eating more dairy rich foods. And yeah. after a while, it didn't bother me. I, I I don't know, man. It just it just worked.
1: So, Phil, I think um, since we are medical doctors, that, oh, that yeah. advice should be taken as gospel so everybody, everybody that's lactose intolerant or has an allergy to dairy just needs to go eat more dairy <laughs> and then they'll be fine.
0: <laughs> What's going to happen to us after we publish this episode? <laughs> done for. Well,
1: I mean, with, with that fantastic advice, we could just, you know, end the episode here. I think that that right there is just, you know, worth the couple minutes that people have wasted so far already. So
0: yeah, we don't really need to finish because they're going
1: to turn it off at this point. Yeah. So we can, we can just hang out and talk about whatever we want to now.
0: But for those of us who have decided to continue listening, like, I don't know, me, (laughs) as I listen through this episode to maybe do some show notes or whatever, I, I say we keep going and we talk about what might lead a kitten to lactose intolerance.
1: Like, well, I think one of the reasons that we wanted to talk about butter is just how often we've brought it up and brought Mm -hmm. up the fact that there are, you know, different types of butter. There is other butter than Lando Lakes and or whatever generic (laughs) exists. Also, margarine is not butter.
0: There's a reason it's called I Can't Believe It's Not Butter. Because it's not. Newsflash, Walter Cronkite, it's not butter.
1: It tastes nothing like actual good butter. True story there. Yeah. Yeah, Phil, I don't know. You've you've talked about your uh, preferences and inclinations toward Kerrygold. When did you feel like you discovered Kerrygold?
0: Wow. Okay, super weird, but I think I first discovered Kerrygold in the Bahamas. Yeah. We went to this market that was, I mean, equivalent to a Kroger or whatever, and everything there is like three or four times the cost, and so I... I went to get some butter and all I could find was the Kerrygold. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, It was like 12 or $13 for like this little thing of butter. And I remember having it and like absolutely falling in love with it. What is this magic that is before me? We go back to the States and I try to like look for Kerrygold butter. And I honestly <laughs> thought that it was so expensive, like prepping myself to spend 12 or $13 on a stick of butter uh, because it was that good. And then I get to the store and I'm like, hey, wait a second, this is like the exact same price as all the other butter. It was like Christmas morning for me. And yes, I've been doing Kerrigold Irish butter ever since. It's pretty much amazing.
1: When you're talking about enjoying Kerrygold more, you know, that that is more of a European style of butter, which is just a, a little bit different than here in the U.S. And there are several Several ways that that can be different. So, what is it about Kerrygold that you like more?
0: As lame as it sounds, I, I I think it's like a flavor profile. Like it's a little bit, it's a little bit tangier, it's a little bit zestier. I mean, we often use the Kerrygold for cooking, but I think that's probably just because we're it's all we have in the refrigerator now. In terms of cooking profiles, I don't necessarily know what the advantages are. But if we're just going to yeah. spread it on something. There's a huge difference in flavor.
1: Yeah, and I think that brings up a lot of interesting questions. I think butter is interesting in general. From what I've read, butter is a relatively modern inclusion in a lot of cooking just due to refrigeration. And I think its current level of inclusion in in a lot of our food probably has a lot to do with French cooking. But it's also kind of crazy how much butter actually is used in restaurants on everything that they put out. It's like ridiculous. Like on top of steaks, they'll just throw like a tablespoon sure. and coat it before it goes out. So I don't I don't think that we use that much in our homes, but butter still obviously has a place. And I also think that like any ingredient, it's worth thinking about what you're using and, and why, kind of the, the quality of that ingredient. And I'm not saying that you have to use a high quality butter all the time. Actually, you know, here at home, we've kind of landed on like a two better system where (laughs) we do have like two different types of butter most times. And so kind of what you were getting at a little bit was with a lot of cooking, you might not necessarily tell the difference between a higher quality butter, you know, one that might be more of like a European style and a generic American style. We kind of apply a little bit of discernment as to you know when we're using what. Maybe one of the more distinguishing like features between a European style butter and an American style is the the fat content or the richness. Sure. So that that richness on certain baked goods, that extra fat content, can really be seen at times, especially with things like say a biscuit. Let alone something really butter. Intense, like a pastry, or like a, a croissant, or something. So yeah, with a lot of things, like if I'm if I'm buttering a pan, I'm just going to use you know generic or something. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to be putting it on something, like if it's part of a uh, charcuterie board, or. <laughs> If we're putting it on toast, like on a Sunday morning or yeah, mostly toast, (laughs) that's when we're going to be pulling out something that's, you know, has more flavor. Because I think that's one of the things that in actual usage is a distinguishing factor of the two is that butters like Kerrygold have more flavor, I feel like. And they, they don't just taste oily. There's there's a butter flavor there.
0: And I feel like even just stepping back, like it really brings up some really interesting points on why butter is used in certain things. And I don't know about you, but growing up for me, like butter got such a bad rap. If you eat something that tastes really good, it became this this metric of like, well, that must just have a ton of butter in it or I wonder how much butter that has because it's good because it's
1: so good, you know. And you're going to get fat and die of a heart attack in like a week.
0: Yeah. And so it was like, don't eat that because it has a lot of butter. Instead, here's a fruit juice that has, you know, like a million grams of sugar. And I don't know necessarily why, because if you look at other cultures, particularly European cultures, they're still using butter quite heavily in the home. I don't know if it was like marketing that convinced Americans that butter was necessarily bad for you, but... But it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And it can really do some amazing things to dishes. And so for me, I didn't I didn't know what those things did. You know, some recipes call for a softened butter, some recipes call for a hard, cold butter, and some call for just straight up melted. I always kind of wondered why. Like I didn't know necessarily what that did, but it, it plays a crucial role in the outcome of the dish so it's not just for charcuterie anymore chris
1: yeah butter and fats in general definitely play a key role in in cooking across the board but uh back on back on that like sugar versus fat thing there's actually a really good doc out i think it's, it's a few years old but it's called that sugar film and this guy really dives into you and your
0: food docs yeah
1: i don't know what to say about that but fine um he really dives into he dives into that topic from a standpoint of is sugar actually worse for us than fat and the battle between sugar and fat, and in, in terms of you know general public health, and what is actually more detrimental to our health, and mm-hmm. it's it's super fascinating. You know, he, he talks about the history of the vilification of fat, and what, whether it's conspiracy theory or not, there's you know, some potential blame that he is laying on the sugar industry, and then he also dives into how much sugar is in so much of the food that we eat. A lot of the food that we think of as at least like moderately healthy is actually jam packed full of. sugar sugar so maybe the you know the keto people are actually onto something where sugar and carbs carbs that turn into sugar might be a a little worse for us than than fat what's the name of that food doc that sugar film it's in the show notes now it's interesting it's it's worth watching for sure it might make you uh not so hesitant to pick up a, a higher quality butter as a little bit of a splurge. So we do know that you know butter plays a, a pretty important role in a lot of the different things that we make in the kitchen. So um, Phil, you had started to mention that there is a pretty distinct difference between you know the, the different states of butter as we use it in the cooking process. I don't know if you wanted to dive into that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, I think if 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 we're going to start with the premise that butter isn't necessarily bad, if we can end the vilification, as you say, of butter. And begin to view it as something that can really add to the dish. Then I think it's important to understand how it can add to the dish. Um, so I mentioned that you know it can be softened, it can be it can be cold and hard, or it can be melted. Particularly with baking, you know the instructions they're gonna tell you what to do with the butter. And I never knew why necessarily. So I would I would love some feedback here. But um, but soft butter. From what I understand, is is really used to kind of lift the the baked good, like a soft cookie, for example. You know, if you're gonna make, yeah. um, I don't know, like a like a soft snickerdoodle cookie. I love snickerdoodles; they're like my all-time fave. If we're gonna if we're gonna make like a soft cookie and we want to lift that and kind of air it out, then. Thin, softened butter is the way to go uh, but that is not to say that you you microwave it necessarily kind of the best way is just to leave it at room temperature for a while and once it hits that room temperature then you can kind of work it into into your batter cold butter this is actually like my favorite way to do butter because of what it actually does to the dish so if you're going to make biscuits or you're going to make scones it'll often say you know it needs to be chilled butter and i never never really knew why And unfortunately, because I never knew why, I would often ignore it. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, the biscuits I end up making turn out to be more like a cupcake than an actual biscuit. But when you when you have hard, cold butter, it's going to kind of like trap in that moisture until it's it's actually baked. And then it's going to release this moisture and create almost like these flakes or these layers within the baked good. We'll say we'll say the scone, for example. And yeah, but then that kind of adds the question of like, or asks the question of how do you put hard butter into... The batter, if you will. And there's kind of a couple ways to do it. You could, if you just have a a knife and a cutting board, I mean, you could dice it into small little pieces. If you have a food processor, that's great. I've noticed that is a pretty common request in recipes. Oh, use a food processor for this. Not everybody has a food processor, but honestly, a cheese grater works amazing. Kind of creates these like small (laughs) little bits of butter. But then another way to use the hard butter is through a process called laminating. And probably the most common laminated pastry would be a... Croissant.
1: Yeah, it's a great process. I think technically you're talking about like a a full puff pastry as as opposed to like a rough puff, which would be like grated or chopped butter kind of incorporated into the dough. Uh And then you get like these little air pockets. But if for something like a croissant where you do want those full flaky layers, you would actually just take blocks of butter and form them together and literally roll them out into a sheet and place that within like a rolled out sheet of pastry dough and then start to fold that together. So you get these really thin layers of butter separating the layers of, of pastry. And you know, in, in a, a larger environment, you might use something called a sheeter that is actually going to do that rolling out of the dough for you, but it's definitely possible to do that at home. And that's one thing where you actually do really want the, the butter to be cold because you don't want it to melt because if it melts, you lose those layers between the pastry dough.
0: I'll include a YouTube video or- or something kind of best describe what laminating is to give people a visual. I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, Chris. So then there are recipes that call for melted butter and that would be mostly used in like loaves or brownies, you know, something that you want it to fully incorporate almost like emulsify in with the with the dough. But I, I didn't know this, uh, until I was kind of researching it for this episode. So I guess i am doing it wrong. But when you have, when you have a recipe that calls for a melted butter, you should actually probably let that cool a little bit, almost to room temperature before putting it in, because it might cook some of the, the ingredients, like the eggs that are in there. If
1: you, if you pour it in hot. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually kind of excited to try baking with melted butter the correct way.
1: <laughs> so Phil, with all of this talk about butter, have you actually ever made butter?
0: You know, I've never made butter. I know it can be super easy you don't have to have this big churn or mechanical arm to do it I mean you can just do it like a mason jar I think right
1: and with Thanksgiving coming up that's kind of what reminded me of this but my aunt was you know she was a kindergarten teacher for for a very long time and that's something that she always did with her kids around Thanksgiving like her students and you now that ended up being something that we would do kind of when we got together with them for Thanksgiving as well but yeah like you said you can you can just use a mason jar you can use like a jam jar really All you're doing is putting heavy cream in a jar and shaking it and Mm -hmm. shaking it and shaking it.
0: What was that weight? Is it called like a shock weight or a shake weight?
1: The the shake, shake weight, the The shake shake weight. Yeah, Yeah. the shake weight. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: you don't, you don't need to go buy a shake weight to get some definition in those arms you can just make butter yeah no do you think that was invented as a joke i could totally shake see weight. people like you and me yeah
1: how do we get a commercial on the air that you know looks like this activity thus the shake weight but yeah no i think it that could be like a, a a really fun thanksgiving activity i don't know why i always remember that from being little but yeah, making butter with your kids
0: i'm gonna do that
1: i think there's something cool about it they start to see where some of their food comes from it's not yeah. like as much of a mystery
0: chris i think we all know where food comes from from it comes from the grocery store
1: yes and magic grocery store elves just restock the shelves every night that's it that's where it comes from
0: okay but no seriously i'm totally making butter this thanksgiving with the kids it's gonna be fun and we hope that you will
1: too yes definitely So I I think there's a world of butter out there that is worth exploring, whether it's Kerrygold or other, you know, actually we've, we've been trying some other butters lately and it's crazy the variety of flavor that you can get with butter. There was a French cultured butter that we tried that was, you said, you said Kerrygold had a lot of flavor. This French stuff that we tried made Kerrygold almost taste bland. It, It had just like such a rich buttery taste and it was, it was kind of tangy, almost like a yogurt type flavor cheddar cheese fantastic yeah it was so good and then we had another really good one from new zealand actually some grass-fed new zealand butter that was actually molly's favorite it was really so good so yeah i, I think when when you know that butter is going to be a little more forward in a dish i think it's worth thinking about the quality of the ingredients that you're using it doesn't always end up being that much more expensive obviously there are some but some like Kerrygold gold are really not that much more than your you know sticks of whatever american generic stuff you're getting i think it's worth worth exploring a little bit so phil when somebody is going to send some photos of whatever they're doing in the kitchen with their family or for their family where would they do that
0: oh i'm so glad you asked chris because we started a hashtag so hashtag dad's kitchen cooks tag that in the photos that you send over either on facebook or instagram and it'll, it'll help us identify that, and then we'll totally reshare it. We are of the ilk that shares photos.
1: Yeah, and that's Dad's Kitchen Cooks, Correct. not Dad's Kitten Cooks. No. I don't have a cat, but if I did, I would 100% start that hashtag. Oh, boy. Just so get a stuffed cat and start a Dad's Kitten Cooks Instagram yeah, like, account.
0: I could totally see our wives satirizing. This podcast, I think, I think, just, I think
1: we should, we should, we should, we should create the Dad's kitten Cooks Instagram account.
0: What if that ends up being bigger than actual Dad's Kitchen? Like, what if the satire well, we we stumbled then, upon greatness? Then people will think that Dad's Kitchen is just a satire of Dad's kitten
1: Maybe it is.
0: You'll be like, who are these guys? That actually reminds me. <laughs> Do you know that Michael Jackson's song? Oh, I'm going to sound stupid because I think can't think of the name of it. It's like dun 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 dun
1: dun. Smooth Criminal.
0: Yeah, thank you, Smooth Criminal. There was, there was another band, like 2002, 2003, that, Alien that covered. Farm. Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, man, you're on fire today. So Alien Ant Farm covered that song, and I remember I was at this like homecoming dance or something in high school, and Michael Jackson's version came on, and I remember hearing someone over my shoulder say something like, what is this? Is this like Michael Jackson trying to cover Alien Ant Farm or something? Sounds so Try, Trying to be
1: cool and relevant. Yeah.
0: So anyways, we're the we're the Michael Jackson trying to be hip.
1: Shoot, I'll take
0: that. In satirizing Dad's Kitten. So
1: if only, Phil, if only. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, but no, seriously, tag us with the hashtag Dad's Kitchen Cooks so we can we can build tribes, Chris. We'll be a tribal folk. And I got nothing else. Cool.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go make some toast with some butter. All right, later, Gator. All right, see ya.